0: In this podcast, I recite a poem by William Shakespeare called The Rape of Lucrece. For this, I have prepared a little introduction. Having read somewhat of the background to the tragic poem accredited to Shakespeare, it's a brutal tale that hails from the days before the existence of Rome. And in fact, according to what little remains of those years, by way of evidence, the events that followed uh, the rape of Lucrezia are what eventually led to the creation of Rome. I I will not go into the the history here myself, but there are far, far more knowledgeable people than I, uh, in this particular, especially in this particular part of history, who have written far more extensively. Um, and I would advise people who are interested to go and have a look. There's much debate, therefore, as to the reliability of the events recorded in the annals of time through art, um, because so many records were actually destroyed uh, thereafter by the Gauls, I think, um, played a particular role in this. Academic analysis has presented further debate regarding the representation of Women, uh, both as victims, through the telling of this tale, the rape of uh, Lucrece or Lucrezia, and through the poetry that reimagines it, and through the pervasive messaging that such artistic license has implied. There is the criticism as vocalized by Jane Newman who points to the limit Shakespeare set to Lucrezia's response. She remained inhibited in her ability to defend herself during or after the event and, uh, in the end, uh, sadly committed suicide. It is clear to read from this brief line that the victim then should suffer the crime forced upon her several times over, The initial brutal event, of course, the lack of voice to defend herself thereafter, the recognition of her as being sullied by an event she had no control of, and then the decisive tragedy of uh, ending her life. In, In recent TV series and movies, the number of women, mothers and wives who have been killed or died tragically to leave a family to deal with the fallout has become somewhat predictable. Um, One writer, uh, of whom I'm a a big fan, Juliet E. McKenna, uh, on Twitter spoke of disposable mums, I think was the term that she used. Um, Is it possible that for over 2,000 years, brutal events and the need of the perpetrators to exert control over women has come to manifest itself in open society through the telling of stories that may indicate how families can after all, overcome the loss of the pillar of a family. What does this say of modern society? Domestic violence has increased in in recent years. Uh, The pandemic has exacerbated an already unacceptable situation. Gender equality for women, and across all non-binary denominations, remains beyond society's grasp. The fight to bring awareness to this grossly embarrassing state of affairs takes many, many forms, though rarely does it turn aggressive. There is a powerful message in that fact. Some demonstrations may involve subtle messaging, some may be crude and offensive in nature, and some may be particularly grinding. Yet I would ask what is more offensive? To see a woman carrying a sign that uses foul language or to hear of a foul person who has forcefully penetrated a woman against her will with an expectation of getting away with it. Obviously, the question is framed in a certain way um, because I wish to influence your thoughts on on the particular issue. I only raise it because I recently read some... um, Uh, messages on LinkedIn where people had uh, highlighted some placards held by women um, and they were using this as some kind of uh, justification uh, for misogyny, uh, justification for why um, uh, women in uh, democratic society should um be taught how to control their thoughts and so on and it it was in in many ways uh shocking actually to to see that kind of thing um but unfortunately this is um a part of society which we have to deal with it is my impression that the underlying notion of the consequences of the rape of lucrezia is considered sufficient in dealing with the crime. Uh, The concept that revenge should bring some form of satisfaction or closure to a horrendous event is questionable logic at best. Indeed in the case of Lucrezia it was so unbearable that she took her own life. Punishment, revenge, post-traumatic event, consolation does little to nothing for the victim. In fact, until society changes its way in viewing the entire crime of rape, we are in trouble. Before, during, and after the fact, society needs to look at its approaches. Uh, There still exists an element of the tired trope, she deserved it, she wanted it, she was dressed like that's what she was looking for. Um, This is further encouraged by systems that have inherently been created for Ben. It's simply not enough to refer to the architecture to say Western democratic cities are built around the size and shape of your quintessential Western male. The whole system is derived from that same being. The legal system as a whole was devised historically according to male logic, based upon moral codes devised by Christian priests, scholars or monks, Uh, who were inclined to allow their lordships any manner of transgressions as long as they then sought forgiveness in a church. Oh, and contributed to the purse of his divine lord so that his representatives on earth could continue to harass and demean half of God's creatures, great and or small, preferably feminine. The legal system, which was formerly overseen by the law lords, traditionally male, and of course those most likely to contribute to establishing legal precedents. Let us also not forget that the law is enforced by a 19th century institution which, though frequently undergoes modernization drives, still cannot completely rid itself of the few apples that give the rest a bad name. Of course, these are not completely misogynistic organisations or agencies. In many ways, they modernised ahead of their time. It's also very easy to criticise and nitpick from the outside. That is not my intention. It is important, however, to understand the status quo. History is prejudiced and discriminatory. History runs counter to minority rights because minorities so rarely have voices of their own that can be substantiated. History tells us a very politicized tale of how those who conquered achieved their miraculous feats. History is the story of the victorious half of a binary structure which has constantly sought to eradicate dissension, despite the guise of democracy. History is traditionally an angry white man with superior weapons. On the bright side of this dark introduction is the reality that times are slowly changing. The wheel, to steal a thought from Robert Jordan, is slowly turning. Women and other genders deserve male allies. Cultures that have to date been victimized and exploited deserve respect as equals and to be welcomed as noble guests into our societies. Our children need to be embraced and protected and taught of the importance they have in our futures and be allowed to participate as soon as they wish in designing that future these are not novel concepts nor would they have been a hundred years ago however just as they were back then they remain today unfulfilled necessities these are the kinds of actions that need to be taken to address the ills of society and society is not an abstract construct that exists outside of our time and reality Society is the collective essence of our communities, and it is in these very communities that we must seek to bring voice to the issues that plague the margins, move out the mainstream, make way for the needy, and allow the Lucrezias of the future to live their lives unmolested, gay and content. For Lucrezia and her ilk have not been allowed to govern. When had they been, it is so very conceivable that humanity would have striven more and had less strife. The Rape of Lucrece by William Shakespeare Her lily hand her rosy cheek lies under, Cozening the pillow of a lawful kiss, Who, therefore angry, seems to part in sunder Swelling on either side to want his bliss Between whose hills her head attombed is Where, like a virtuous monument, she lies To be admired of lewd, unhallowed eyes Without the bed her other fair hand was On the green coverlet, whose perfect white Showed like an April daisy on the grass with pearly sweat resembling dew of night her eyes like marigolds had sheathed their light and canopied in darkness sweetly lay till they might open to adorn the day her hair like golden threads played with her breath O oh, modest wantons wanton modesty showing life's triumph in the map of death and death's dim look in life's mortality Each in her sleep themselves so beautify, as if between them twain there were no strife, but that life lived in death, and death in life. Her breasts, like ivory globes, circled with blue, a pair of maiden worlds unconquered, save of their lord, no bearing yoke they knew, and him by oath they truly honoured these worlds in tarquin new ambition bred who like a foul usurper went about from his fair throne to heave the owner out what could he see but mightily he noted what did he note but strongly he desired what he beheld on that he firmly doted and in his will his willful eye he tired with more than admiration he admired Her azure veins, her alabaster skin, Her coral lips, her snow-white dimpled chin. As the grim lion fawneth o'er his prey, Sharp hunger by the conquest satisfied, So o'er this sleeping soul doth Tarquin stay, His rage of lust by gazing qualified, Slacked, not suppressed, For standing by her side his eye which late this mutiny restrains unto a greater uproar tempts his veins and they like struggling slaves for pillage fighting obdurate vassals fell exploits affecting in bloody death and ravishment delighting nor children's tears nor mother's groans respecting swell in their pride the onset still expecting. Anon his beating heart, alarm striking, gives the hot charge and bids them do their liking. His drumming heart cheers up his burning eye. His eye commends the leading to his hand, his hand as proud of such a dignity, smoking with pride marched on to make his stand on her bare breast the heart of all her land whose ranks of blue veins as his hand did scale let their round turrets destitute and pale they mustering to the quiet cabinet where their dear governess and lady lies Do tell her she is dreadfully beset And fright her with confusion of their cries. She much amazed breaks ope her locked-up eyes, Who, peeping forth this tumult to behold, Are by his flaming torch dimmed and controlled? Imagine her as one in dead of night, From forth dull sleep by dreadful fancy waking that thinks she hath beheld some ghastly sprite whose grim aspect sets every joint a-shaking what terror it is but she in worse a-taking from sleep disturbed heedfully doth view the sight which makes supposed terror true rapt and confounded In a thousand fears, like to a new-killed bird, she trembling lies. She dares not look, yet winking there appears, quick-shifting antics ugly in her eyes. Such shadows are the weak brains' forgeries, who, angry that the eyes fly from their lights, in darkness daunts them with more dreadful sights. His hand, that yet remains upon her breast, rude ram to batter such an ivory wall, may feel her heart, poor citizen distressed, wounding itself to death, rise up and fall, beating her bulk that his hand shakes withal. This moves in him more rage and lesser pity to make the breach and enter this sweet city.